Sequart presents Judging Dread, 13 essays analyzing 2000 AD's most beloved and reviled character, forward by Matt Smith, interview with Rob Williams, edited by Scott Weatherly. Find out who is the law. To the Batmobile. Let's go. Come on, Bob. For old times, huh? Harley Quinn, nice to meet ya. <laughs> Pardon my French. Fuck those fuckers. My favorite Marvel character ever, but you should never meet your heroes because honestly, he's a bit of a dick. Now might be a really good time for you to get angry. That's my secret, Cat. I am Right, welcome everybody to another episode of the Comics in Motion podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Phelps, and my co-host and very good friend is Mr. Dave Horrocks. Hi Chris, and hello to our listeners out there. Welcome to Comics in Motion TV and movie reviews for shows that are based on comic books. Myself, I'll be reviewing from the perspective of a long-time comic book reader. And I'll be reviewing from the TV and movie perspective. And what we also like to do is we also like to spoil the hell out of everything we review. And so if you haven't watched our choice of the week, then we'd advise you to proceed with caution. And remember, with an average podcast comes no responsibility. Now, Chris, we did announce last week that we were going to cover this particular movie, which you'd never seen. What movie is that? Well, Dave, we're going back to 1999. And I was a mere slip of a boy then, Dave. I was 21 years old, and I don't remember a fucking thing about this. I don't even know about this movie until you suggested it. So this one's starring Ben Stiller, Hank Azaria, William H. Macy, and Greg Kinnear, and to name but a few. Mystery Men. I don't know anything about it. <laughs> I really wish this was on the VHS Strikes Back, but I'm bringing oh, wow. over Chris Phelps on the VHS Strikes Back, Dave, because I am coming in. Not only is it 29 <laughs> degrees outside as we record this, I am coming in hot on this one, my friend. So before we get into that, have you seen this before? I have. I don't think I watched this at the cinema, but I think I think I rented this out around about the time that it came out. And I thought, I remember at the time being a bit of a fan of Ben Stiller, you know, in those late 90s, you had Ben Stiller and Adam Sandler, and we weren't sick of them by that point. So uh, this was coming out, saw the trailer for it, thought it was kind of funny, he had Mr. Furious there, they had little clips of him like trying to take the badge off the car and stuff like that. And I thought, ah, this looks like a bit of fun, and uh, rented it out. And... Chris, put, uh, it, I don't think it's going to be any surprise to anyone who's seen this movie what your perspective is going to be on it. <laughs> <laughs> There's going to be no shocks out there whatsoever. But at the time, I think I enjoyed it. I just always felt from the first time I watched it, and I've seen it a few times, but I always felt it just fell short there was some neat ideas in there. Like, this is based on a, an actual, or very loosely, off an old comic called The Flaming Carrot. And so it is kind of satire, and, you know, it pokes fun at the whole superhero genre. Um, but, you know, I guess a bit like Weird Science, they just completely changed it uh, for the movie. But, yeah, I thought there was some fun in this, but uh, I didn't think for a second you'd actually enjoy it. So <laughs> I think today we will have the VHS Strikes Back Chris Phelps on here. <laughs> yes we will my friend i mean it's funny because ben stiller something about mary and i think manny starsky and hutch and dodgeball i've got dodgeball on dvd great movies but i would and i didn't mind like meet the fuckers as well they weren't bad but i mm -hmm. think I'll, I'll be honest with you dave i know he did tropic thunder and all that stuff and, and it's the odd one here and there i'm not a massive fan as in rating that much there's a few that are good movies, as I've just said, but I'm not hugely say he's amazing. I think he made his the movies, the early 2000s, his proper ones, other than something about Mary, which is 98. And then after that, I know he wanted to be a director, but I've just never really got into his movie. I've just never been a massive fan, if I'm being honest. So this was a year after something about Mary. So I'm, mm. I, I find it really bizarre that the way this is made because this doesn't feel like... It, this feels like it should have been his first movie and then he went into something about Mary. It's a very weird choice of movie. Almost like Dave. Here's one for you. 
Yeah. Robert Czar, who was in <laughs> Tango in Cash, and then a year later went in Samurai Cop. What a fucking reach that is. What a progression. What an elevation <laughs> that is. <laughs> to scale the heights of Samurai Cop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. No, no. And don't forget, old Ben Stiller was in the uh, first episode of Extras, wasn't he? He was, Dave, yeah, because he's, he's an arse in that, and he? he's, he's quite yeah. funny. When you watch the actual spoof, the sort of the extras of it, you know, the outtakes, he is pretty funny, to be honest. Like I say, he's probably a great guy. I just, I've just never been a massive fan of his. I don't seek out his movies anyway, if, he, if you give me the choice. Yeah, yeah. And I think he had to be, uh, you know, he had to be convinced to come in on this project. I think he was asked to direct it and didn't fancy it. It was too big of a job. And then uh, ended up taking on this part of Mr. Furious. I, I think they had a different role. I think they wanted him to be the uh, the Blue Raja initially, and he ended up taking the role of Mr. Furious and playing about with the character as well. I think he was supposed to be a character that was just angry all the time, and he added a, a bit of nuance to that there. Well, Chris, should we get into our trailer? Let's go. In a place called Champion City... Forces of good and evil. Captain Amazing, what a surprise. Are about to collide. Well, we've always been each other's greatest nemesis. 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 <laughs> now, with the city's one true hero missing. Captain Amazing is in danger. Kaboom. Who will step forward? You again. Wannabes. To answer the call of justice. Don't mess with the volcano, my man. I will go Pompeii on your butt. Oh, my golly. They've been waiting for this moment. The city's in peril, Lucille. All of their lives. Butch needs his vest back. Well, it's my vest, too. I bought it for him. But now that their time has come... I'm a superhero, too. What's his power? <laughs> they're going to need all the help they can get. We gotta find a lot of superheroes really quickly. State your name and power. PMS Avenger. I only work four days a month. Is there a problem with that? No. No. I am the Waffler. Waffle Man! Am I too late to try out? Sorry. <laughs> You're in. Wow, my first mission and we're gonna rescue Captain Amazing. Here we go. Universal Pictures presents... We need to talk about your plans. I'm going to kill you. Right, that's the part that really doesn't work for me. A new league of heroes that step to a different beat. Well, I am a ticking time bomb of fury. I don't find you threatening. At all. <laughs> Let's do some carnage. We're not your classic heroes. We're the other guys. Mystery men. I'm invisible. Can you see me? Yes. Wow. Maybe you should put some shorts on or something if you want to keep fighting evil today. In Champion City, the amateur superhero team of Mr. Furious, the Shoveler, and the Blue Raja attempt to make a name for themselves, but their inexperience, infighting, and dubious abilities generally result in defeat and frustration. While trying to stop a robbery in progress, they are upstaged by the city's powerful and arrogant superhero, Captain Amazing. However, Amazing's crime-fighting prowess has practically made his job obsolete. Without any worthy adversaries, most are either dead, in exile, or in jail, his corporate sponsors are beginning to withdraw their support. Now, Chris, what do you reckon to the opening of this movie? So, there is a sigh, Dave. <laughs> this movie is fucking rubbish, and I was actually questioning why you've put me through this hell. You know, I, I regard <laughs> us as good friends. I, you know, it's not like... 
it's the VHS Strikes Back where pretty much the format has been since the start. Let's do a few good ones and let's just absolutely torture our friendship by making us watch 90 to 100 minutes of shit a la <laughs> King of the Kickboxers and Event Horizon, which we've done. King of the Kickboxers too, I'll have two, you know. Yeah, yeah, sorry. <laughs> that, that we have you know, completely inflicted on each other. That is part of the cause. That is what the VHS DNA is about, Dave. This... I'm sorry, this is, it's one of the worst movies we've ever done on Comics in Motion now. I'm sorry, I've got to do it. It's it's in there, Dave. It's in that thingy. To me, it's like a daytime soap, bullshit TV kids film with Ben Stiller in it. And it almost, you mentioned extras. It almost feels like when they're doing a proper shot in extras and then they cut and we get Andy Millman, which is Ricky Gervais's character, talking to him, you know, off camera and all that. And we get these really weird set pieces. I don't get it. The one thing I would say, Hank Azaria, who I didn't even twig, to be fair, I know the name so well, was obviously, he does so many voices on The Simpsons. Chief Wiggum, Apu, you know, he, he does, Dave, he does Mo. all low. Mo, yeah, Mo, he can't be, can't be Mo, Dave, I love Mo. <laughs> He's great, isn't he? He's an angry, seedy old bloke. <laughs> when Bart Simpson rings up with Lisa and he's crying, I used to love that, and he'd ring up and just say something <laughs> stupid. I used yeah. to love it all the time. Um, but what I found really weird was, I'm, a massive, I'm sure you're the same, I love Family Guy, and... Seth MacFarlane, who does the voice. So he says he based Stewie Griffin off Rex Harrison, right? They're obviously an actor from the 50s, 40s, 50s, 60s. Bull fucking shit. Hank Azaria is just doing Stewie Griffin, Dave. This whole movie. I, I honestly was thinking, I went looking, I stopped it. I went looking online. And I remember seeing the interview with Seth MacFarlane when he was on Graham Norton saying, he's actually Rex Harrison, you know, because he was talking about the UK, said it's your own Rex Harrison. He may be, but I honestly think he's seen this performance and gone, this is exactly who I want for Stuart. It's uncanny, the accent. And I know Hank Azaria is an amazing character, voice actor, but it's just it just takes me out, which it shouldn't, because this was done before Family Guy, pretty much. But it just takes me out of the, the film, because they just keep waiting for him to... I've got a ring thing there, a message on mine, and it's Stuart going, uh, what's his... Uh, so about you've got a fake moustache, that's two ninety nine, and then he shoots Brian, I think, or something. But I've got the actual <laughs> ringtone of it or the message thing. I don't know why, I don't know what you thought on that, but it was so jarring. And it's not the film's fault, it was just because of what I watched afterwards. Yeah, <clears throat> I think... When did Family Guy come out? Was it about 90? That was about 99, 2000, mm, it was wasn't it? roughly around at the same time, yeah. I yeah, think so. yeah. But I don't think... I think just putting on a, a posh British accent is not... 99. Is not, yeah. It was 99. So yeah. I don't think either copied off each other. It's just putting on a British accent, isn't it? You know, a posh one. And so it, it's just more of a coincidence than anything. So I'd never, ever made the connection to Stewie Griffin, quite honestly. Um, I just thought that was part of his whole makeup. It Look, it could be. It, it's just something... They're running parallel, don't they? So, like you say, Family Guy started and this came out in the same year. This was filmed before Family Guy, so it's not like it'd be a hell of a coincidence. You're right. It just just took it away from me. But I think Ben Stiller, Dave, he's just playing this by the numbers. He doesn't give a fuck about this movie at all to me. And I know, you know, he was at the height of his powers, I suppose, after coming off the back of something about Mary. But I think the pretense of it, I just don't get it. I don't get what it's going for. I mean, we've we've discussed this. Earlier on, and you'd said about he's got the Batman 66 feel to it, and I understand that. I do get that. I just wasn't invested in anybody. I mean, you've got a woman there with a fucking bowling ball throwing it at people. I'm like, what is going on here? This is what, just what, nonsense. What if this, what if this crap to, team of superheroes was trying to take a truckload of bootleg beer across the country? Would you be invested steady, there? Steady, steady, <laughs> steady, Dave. Don't fucking do it. Don't you do it? I think in a transam, yeah, more I would. invested straight away there. Um, but I, I tell you what, I I kind of appreciate. I'm going to say more than like is the homages, the nods to you know the likes of Superman, the likes of Batman. 
all of the Dutch angles that you get, the way the shots are framed and everything is very Batman 66. And it's clearly playing on that comic book trope. And you've got Captain Amazing. Uh, and he's, you know, this billionaire lawyer, Lance Hunt. And there's this ongoing joke that basically, you know, the shoveler just doesn't, like Mr. Furious tells him, oh, it's Captain Amazing, is Lance Hunt. And he's like, no way. You know, Lance Hunt wears glasses. <laughs> There's no way yeah, he can be Captain Amazing. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, I, I appreciate that some of the jokes are mildly amusing. And it just feels like they're close to being actually quite funny. Yes. But yes. it just, it does miss the mark quite consistently i think at various points and and you'll have spotted eddie izzard now at this time eddie izzard wasn't that well known he wasn't that popular but i'd seen him in a like a comedy festival on the tv uh, a few years ago and I, I just thought he was hilarious and so him popping up in this movie i thought oh that's brilliant it's eddie izzard but fuck me chris I've not seen anyone do a worse American accent than that. (laughs) (laughs) You know, when you get Casanova Frankenstein and he's broken out of of prison, basically, you know, Captain Amazing had sort of helped him. So he needs a nemesis to fight, you know, to keep his sponsors happy and keep them on board. And so he, he, you know, assists in getting Casanova Frankenstein out and he's saying that, uh, he's saying to Eddie Izzard's character, oh, you must have been gutted, you know, when Disco was, you know, Disco is dead. (laughs) It sticks with me. Eddie Izzard's like, Disco is not dead. Disco is life. (laughs) And Chris, in that pathetic attempt at an American accent. So again, I feel like, that line is written to be funny. But the only reason it's funny is because the American accent is so shit. <laughs> you know, and it's, so it's just poorly delivered as well. And so, yeah, I think I, I do have, you know, uh, I'm not even going to say a soft spot, but I don't hate this movie. But I do feel it falls short of what it could have been. Yeah, and, and I will give the one thing, one bit of credit I would give it, Dave, I think, is it Captain Amazing? He's mm-hmm. a very, very, a very thinly based, or they based Homelander almost on him in The Boys because the way it's like, I need a nemesis yeah. to get sponsors and some of the actions he does at the start, straight away I was like, oh, this is like, we've just seen Homelander over the last two years, you know, in The Boys. He, I don't know why he wasn't evil like him, but there was that manipulation behind the cameras. He just lost his Pepsi deal and he's throwing the badge and mm. kicking off with his agent and stuff. That is that is The Boys, isn't it, basically? On the on the whole front of it, they are the ultimate superheroes. But as the series progresses, it just, people become more aware of the soups, aren't they? Like, they're just arseholes, all of them, really. We've, we have superpowers. So I did like that reference, I must admit. It is a great point, and I was thinking of that earlier today, actually. That So Garth Ennis wrote The Boys. Uh, 2006 was, was when the uh, first issue came out. And then, you know, it, it's in recent years, isn't it? We've seen the TV show. I would think that there's no doubt he's, he's watched things like Mystery Men, Red comics like The Flaming Carrot as well. I just think without this, you might not have the boys as they are. Yes. And and like you say, Lance Hunt slash Captain Amazing is a bit of a prototype for Homelander. You know, he's not sadistic like Homelander is. And, you know, it takes it another level. But he is a massive dick. Yeah, he is. No, he is. He, he, he's... And like you say, the reference with the glasses, Superman 101, Dave, absolutely <laughs> Superman 101. Because <laughs> even I, even I double takes it because it's quite a dark movie and I'm, I'm watching like, this is the guy we've just seen a minute ago with the Pepsi, but what's yeah. going on? And then, then I realised, I realised what was going on. That's but, the but joke. Will, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, well, Dave, but let's talk about the joke, the in-joke. I've been abused today on Twitter by our good friend Jax, Dave, because <laughs> he tagged me. In a picture of the Mystery Men. Now, he's a good lad. I like him a lot. But I'm not happy with the fact that I didn't read it correctly and just put, oh, we're doing that. And he's like, 
Oh shit, Sherlock. And then we got the meme fucking face off, Dave. Well, you know I'm not bad with memes. I can usually come back at anybody, but I've got to admit defeat because I was like, you fucked up here, Chris. You I, didn't I think read the rooms. You just have to say, okay, I didn't read it properly. Yes, and I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. So I'll give that one nil to Jax. But I will have my revenge, Dave. I will have my revenge. I think Scott even chipped in and was like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's because you, you're reviewing it. Yeah, I get that reference. I was like, all right, Scott, yeah. leave it. Just leave it, guys. But no, I, I'll say watching it, I struggled with it. I struggled so much to follow the story. I had to watch in two halves, Dave. I got to an hour and I thought, right, I'm halfway through because it's a two-hour movie. I need to come back to it. And I watched it over two days. And not because I didn't lose any of the momentum because I just don't think there's any at all. I think Ben Stiller is terrible in this. I think Hank Azari is good other than, like I say, a lot of the things he does with his character are pretty clever. But I will say, again, voice put me off. Greg Kinnear... Yeah, not bad. He's Captain Amazing Dave. I've seen him in a few things. It wasn't horrendous. I mean, William H. Macy, I always remember him in Jurassic Park 3, and he's just played Frank Gallagher in the American version of Shameless. I think that's mm. just finished this run. That was quite a massive success. So they're not. it's not a bad studio, and it's good how they show like, the life as well, not just superheroes like Clark Kent, you know, living in an apartment on their own. He's got They've got family and things like that. I just don't think Ben Stiller pulls off this raging psycho that he's supposed to be because every fight they get in they just get a good kick in don't they yeah and i think stiller took this role a lot was to do with he didn't want to be typecast like you say he'd done things like he'd done the rom-com thing you know the likes of uh you know something about mary and whatever so he wanted to do a different type of role i don't think he's sleepwalking through this at all i i think he does a decent portrayal of what he's trying to to do, which is this ridiculous hero with no real powers, you know, or they yeah. they don't seem to have any powers, and like you say, they they just are a bit shit. I mean, the shoveler, he's basically got a fucking shovel, which anyone in you know anyone <laughs> in North America could go to the hardware store and get. You know, he even has to borrow his son's baseball. Um, a jacket, you know, to to go out there for a bit of protection. The Blue Rajah, he won't even chuck knives, you know, that's a bone of contention in the team. Mr. Furious has just got major anger issues. He's got no actual superpowers. So, you know, they're trying to break through. And I think, I think you are okay watching this in multiple sittings because what it lacks is that kind of pace at no point in the movie does it feel like it's motoring along? This is two hours, or on the order of two hours. And I think it could have been done in an hour and a half easy. You know, yes. a bit of tweaking of the script. You know, get some of those jokes to properly land. I mean, Chris, this cost nearly $70 million to make. You know, I was saying about, uh, you know, on VHS, we were saying about Event Horizon costing 60 last week, but you could kind of see where the budget was there. Yeah, yeah, I agree I with that. I can't really see where the budget is with this one. You know, $70 million, that gets you a decent old movie, that, doesn't it? Yeah, and you know what, Dave? I think that's probably one of the things watching it that, you know, honestly, I'm joking aside, but. Do you remember, what was it called? The bloody sword and sorcery thing with fucking Jack Palance as his brother. That Hawk fucking, the Slayer. Hawk the Slayer. So Hawk the Slayer was filmed like a British TV daytime show, almost yeah. like, like Doctor Who. It's filmed Robin on a little... Hood. Yeah, Robin Hood, a little close set. You know what you're getting. It's, it's, it's good enough for... I know Hawk the Slayer was a movie, but it's good enough for an English daytime TV. It's mm -hmm. never going to have the budget of even the American daytime TV shows, but it's enough smoke and mirrors to get away with it. A guy walks off the, you know, in, in a bloody forest somewhere. I'm going to go and see, like, if it's Robin, I'm going to see Maid Marion now, you know, or whatever, and they, they, they piss off. And it's all like, cut, let's do it again. That's what I felt like with this scene with Ben Stiller. There's loads of these action scenes at the start, but when they sort of move into sort of forest area and things like that, it looks dead cheap. The cinematography looks cheap. It's like they've run out of budget. Now, whether Ben Stiller was on bloody 20 million and that's why the budget fucking would gone, I don't know, but I totally agree with that. It doesn't look like a $68 million movie at all to me. It looks really cheap, almost like an independent one. And someone who's best friends with Ben still is gone. Any chance you can come star in this with us? I didn't get yeah. it. I just And that's how I felt all the way through. It felt really cheap. You think about this, we've had Blade come out the year before, Dave, 98. 
amazing movie. And I can guarantee, and I need to check, I guarantee the Blaze budget was a little bit less than this because I'm sure it was. But it's like, the, the production, I just don't know where it went. The effects weren't great. It, it just, it wasn't there. It just wasn't there for me at all. Mm. No, and I think, like I say, some of the jokes are hit and miss, but one that grates on me quite severely is Paul Rubens' character, the spleen. Or, in that <laughs> stupid voice, the spleen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so this is Pee Wee Herman, isn't it? And, yes. you know, Pee Wee was, was never as big over here. I get the impression he was massive in the US. Um but I think he'd hadn't he run into some problems, some like let's yeah yeah Jimmy yeah. Savile type problems. Jimmy, I was going to say Jimmy Savile type problems. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. So you know he wasn't at the height of his powers at this point. But I mean, his whole character is supposed to be this nerd, and you know he was he was cursed by a gypsy. You know whoever smelt it dealt it, and he would forever be that person. And I'm just like, is there any point that this would have been funny other than to a six-year-old child? Yeah. And, and even uh, then, I think a six-year-old has struggled, Dave. Yeah, because it's kind of like overplayed, isn't it? And and again, it's just ponderous. It sort of overplays the joke, you know, for him to explain where his powers came from and everything. And then he lines up all the people at the bar. It's like it goes on for ages. And it's like, guys, it's not funny. <laughs> you know? it, it's just shit. And again, it's just another one of those attempted jokes that is a massive miss. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think what's what's weird is I'm just looked now as you were talking, Blade Dave, forty five million it costs to make that movie. And mm. you're telling me this was made probably made about around about the same time, depending on release schedule. And it had sixty eight million. And I'm like, what how has this been spent? I mean, the effects in Blade, other than the fact that they haven't got mobile CGI phones. CGI at the end. Exactly, Dave. There's a couple of bits in Blade that haven't aged tremendously, but the rest of the movie is fantastic. And you're thinking, how are these even in the same realm of, of like, you know, superhero? All right, there's a, maybe a bigger cast in this. I don't know, but it doesn't feel like they spent the budget. I don't know what they've done. Someone's fucking put it in their fucking Swiss bank account and pissed off and... and Last I think 20 years, off I think. the back uh, of a toilet, I think, a lot of it. <laughs> what are you going to say? Like, uh, do you remember, um, oh, what's it called? Um, the bloody one with Leonardo DiCaprio, when he plays the, the bank, the guy who, who does all the shares, Dave, and everything. Wolf of Wall Street. Oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. The start of that is, is yeah, that, that's interesting where he snorts coke. It wasn't off a table anyway, <laughs> or a toilet. But, you know. <laughs> off the arse of a prostitute. <laughs> that was the one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, um, I mean, I, I, I'd seen Tony had put that, uh, you know, he wishes Janine Garofalo was in more things. She's the bowler. And I think she'd done some work with Ben Stiller before. And I can only think that it must be some kind of inside joke again, because it, she she has quite a few back and forths with uh, Mr. Furious, you know, and it's like, I don't know, maybe you do this. Uh, I don't know, maybe you should. And it's like, mm, yeah, but it's not funny. <laughs> like, nothing <laughs> about it's funny at all. Um I tell you, there are, there are some bits that I do like. So when you get the Sphinx, you know, and he seems to be this mysterious character and, you know, all of the crappy superheroes are kind of bought into his philosophy. He's a bit of a legend. And, you know, Mr. Furious is just not getting it at all. He's like, oh, this is all a waste of time. You should be out there saving Captain Amazing. And, you know, he, he says... Um, he says, oh, this Sphinx guy, you know, all of his sayings are all like a bit formulaic, you know, is do one thing or else this other thing will happen. And then he says, uh, if you do not master your rage, and then Mr. Furious finishes him off and says, your rage will become your master. That's what you were going to say, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and so that was a joke that landed for me. You know, the timing was good. And, you know, he's saying, well, well. 
Not necessarily. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he did, didn't he? He said, he said he went, no. <laughs> so that, that bit was funny. But it is so few and far between. I would say somewhere between 5 and 10% of the jokes actually land in this movie. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. And, and it's, it, look, I can see why this would have its a cult following. It, for me, it reminds me so much of Malrats, Dave. For me, it's just a movie that from the get-go I was like, I just don't like it. It's fucking rubbish. It's just, it's not, it has all the ingredients to be good and something I, I would probably turn my eye out and go, you know what, I can watch that again. I just think, and I agree with you, like I've never heard of this. I'm watching it 22 years later. That's the problem. If maybe I'd watched it in 99, it could have been a completely different movie and me and you'd be sat here going, oh, it's a great nostalgia. There's some things that have aged badly and all that, which we've done in the past with movies that we've both seen. But because I've never seen it, it's a hard watch 22 years after its release, Dave. It's not aged well mm. at all. The thing is for me, Chris, if I think... I, I think now we're in a golden age of comic book movies... And I think that that age started with X-Men 2000. The year 2000 is when it all started. And you could say, well, I'm skipping out Blade from 98 there. Also skipping out uh, Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., um, <laughs> starring the Hoff. I'm also omitting <laughs> that one. You know, both are crimes. But the thing is, Blade is such an outlier because it was R-rated, because it was uh, so gruesome. And, and most of the people didn't even really know it was based on a comic book. So the proper comic book movies for me started in 2000. If this, if that hadn't have happened, you might not have so many good comic book movies to compare to. That's <laughs> and true. Mystery Men might, might be better. But because we've had so many actually good comic book movies, we've had good action movies we've had funny movies we've had dramatic movies we've had r-rated comic book movies you know because we've had all of these things we've been spoiled a bit and when you go back to this 1999 abomination it just uh doesn't it hasn't aged well at all no and you know what i actually wrote this down in my notes and i haven't mentioned it but now you've mentioned nick fury the bits that really stand out for me in this that are poor. You know what movie I'm going to say it's like, Dave? And it's one Generation of the first... Generation X? Yes. <laughs> yes. I'm not just saying that. I'm not just it's, saying it to be controversial, but... The, it, the it, only it, difference it, is some of the effects are, are better. Not many, yeah. but some. Yeah. And the cast. The all-star yes. cast. That is yes. the only difference. But I think you're right. This is not that different from Generation X, just in terms of being ponderous, plodding, not much point. You know, having a, a germ of a decent idea, but just not executing it very well. Yeah. And there could have been, they even signed on for sequels. Danny DeVito was going to be the director, wasn't he, at one point? So there was, there was yeah. very strange links to the movement i don't really know danny devito as an amazing director but it may have been good dave it may it may have been something that hit and there possibly could have been a sequel but you're right i i i me personally and i agree with the x-men thing but i still think blade for me a couple of years early was the start of it blade was just mm. a brilliant brilliant movie i know we've done so, all three yeah. now but sorry go on. so financially you're right i mean that was the first success for that marvel had before that you had howard the duck so and and, you know tv movies you know the fox generation x the uh, nick fury agent of shield those things weren't really big budget comic book movies so you know they they weren't expected to make a lot of money so you're right blade financially made the massive difference but i just think because the the x-men is so close to the comics whereas like i say if if you look at blade in the in those 70s comics when he came through i mean he's he's a very typically black exploitation type character he's nothing like the wesley snipes version we got so that, that was one of the instances where you know the the movie did influence the comics and and made them better um so yeah, yeah, it, but it's it's close, isn't it? Either yeah. way, Mystery Men is not part of that golden age. 
fucking hell, no, <laughs> and, it's and not. Fucking, you know, so 68 million budget, it made just over 33 million <laughs> at the box office. So really, you know, they had to make 100, you know, 30-ish dollars, uh, 130-ish million dollars to break even with all the marketing budget and everything on top of that. Uh, uh, production budget so there was no way this was going to get a sequel and you know ultimately people voted with their feet exactly and 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 look dave you've got to try these things they may hit it they may not and you're right it was a sticky wicket doing a superhero movie around this time it was just so difficult to get something that you know like you say blade's the one i remember over anything so Mm. We love, I love the 2000 X-Men. Hugh Jackman, brilliant. Gets the call two or three weeks to say he wants to play Wolverine, you know, and he changed his life for 20 years. He'd literally play that character. So there's a chance of a Ben Stiller, but I always get a feeling with Ben Stiller that he's up his own ass, Dave, that, that mm. he genuinely he genuinely thinks he's too good for some of the roles. Like, he's, he's, a, he's we always talk about this on the reality show, but he's a fake good guy. I liked him in Starsky and Hutch, I think, with uh, Owen Wilson. I know it don't get a lot of praise, but I've had that on DVD. I don't think I've got it anymore, but I didn't mind. I went to the cinema to watch that because I love the original TV show. I love the car, the, the Ford uh, Gran mm. Torino. So, so you know what? I love American Muscle. So I didn't mind him in that. He, he, he played on it, and we got a little cameo at the end from the original Starsky and Hutch, Paul Michael Glazer and, and David Soul. But I don't know with this. I don't know. I just, I just can't put my finger on it. But the, the Generation X thing was something that when I was watching it, was like, oh, wow. Even the darkness of it, the tone of, of the lighting's just off in certain scenes. So, I mean, even when you get to the end, and I'm like, I just don't care. You know, like, I, I just don't care with the way that Casanova's sort of, you know, going to take over the world, Dave, and all the usual stuff. He's, he's got uh, Monica's hold hostage and all that. I... I I'm just like, oh, for fuck's sake, please, for the Again, love of it's God. it's a surprise to no one that you don't care five minutes into this movie, quite honestly. <laughs> um, but, yeah, again, the whole... You, you get Mr. Furious, and he opens up to um, the, the lady at the diner, and, and that is, uh, what's her name, Claire Fellaini. So we did see her in Mallrats. Yes. She was one of the love interests in, in that one. So... You know, but that kind of uh, gets rid of all his rage, doesn't it? You know, so he turns up and they're heading towards the the showdown with Casanova Frankenstein, and he's just lost all of his rage and everything. And uh, yeah, so I think for me that that's why he's not sleepwalking. It's it's quite convincing that he's just all chilled out and they're trying to wind him up and stuff and, you know, he, he gets into it. But I do like the bit. It's kind of a, a nice moment where you have uh, Invisible Boy, you know, his power is he turns invisible, but no one can watch him or else his power wouldn't work. And then it, it proves, you know, he, he does actually use his power later on. So I kind of like the idea that you've got this ragtag mob and they're trying to save the day. And, uh, you know, again, Captain Amazing's being an absolute bell end, isn't he? You yeah. know, and you can see he's got no time for these people, doesn't care to even remember. Um, so, again, I, th- I think that, that classic kind of prototype for Homelander. But and then they end up accidentally killing him. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, again, I, I kind of like that moment. But, uh, yeah, by the time it gets to... That, that almost feels like it should be right at the end, but then they have the whole showdown at the end. And yeah, it, they didn't really stick the landing at all. Um, and you get, I tell you another influence, Chris, when everything kind of blows up and you've got the reporters there and everything, and they're coming out of the, the smoke and you've got the reporters saying, you know, what's what's your name? And it's like, oh, well, we, we haven't really... Got a name, really yeah. decided a name yet that's the first movie that i've seen you know if i look back chronologically where it's that avengers trope isn't it yeah where they constantly right up until avengers endgame they kept teasing at the name even at the end of was it was it age of ultron where cap goes cap, avengers cap yeah, yeah and it comes to the credits yeah I just wonder if they they picked up that from here, where you know they can't decide on a team name, and you know the uh, 
the reporter just says, well, who knows who these mystery men are and, you know, whatever. And, and then the Sphinx says something about the the superhero squad or, or something like that. So I, I think that is an influence on the things that came after it. Dave, that's a good... I didn't even pick up on that. That's a very, very good callback. Because you're right, Cap does do it when he's got Sam and that done it at the age of, mm. end of Age of Ultron. So yeah, very good pick that but look I feel awful just completely shitting on it but you know me I wear my heart on my sleeve it's just not for me and I and you, you look you've done great to manoeuvre around me you're just going this is shit this is shit you know it's, it's the usual Chris and Dave DNA but I'd be interested if someone loves it and what they're taking because come at me you know it's no problem I, I, I love that discussion because a lot of people love the stuff that I hate and vice versa like you said if they're in a black Trans Am Ben still had a moustache and he had a cowboy hat on different film dave i'll be there i'd have pictures of it all over the world but he doesn't so <laughs> a I, good call I suspect up. there may be people out there who've got fun memories so and don't hate it i don't think there's going to be too many people who absolutely love it certainly not many people who saw it at the cinema because <laughs> yeah. it fucking bombed and i don't think it's been like a, a cult classic or anything like I say i think some people might remember it a bit more fondly, certainly more fondly than, than you are. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I don't think there's a massive amount of love, but I've had this on the list since day one. And I thought at some point we've got to do it. It's just a coincidence, Chris, that we did King of the Kickboxers 2 the other week and I wasn't intentionally trying to stitch you up, but I still enjoy it even when I don't mean to. <laughs> <laughs> That's what friends are for, Dave. That's what friends are for. Brilliant. Absolutely. So shall we get into our review scores? Let's go. So, Dave, let me run down. I was thinking about this, if you don't mind. Sorry. I think yeah, we, yeah. Need to, we need to tell people what the review scores are. If you're a new listener, we just, we'll just we just automatically say, right, well, it's going to be this, this. So we're going to give you a rundown, guys, if you're not all favour what the scores are. So if it's the best movie you've ever seen, we send it to Asgard. If it's still a great movie, but it's just un underneath that, it's Atlantis. If it's in the middle, it's Hall of Justice. If it's getting to be a bit of a crappy movie, we send it to Hell's Kitchen, and it is the worst thing you've ever seen. We are sending it to the Phantom Zone. So absolutely classic, Dave. I want you to go first today, Dave. So what are you going to do about this one? Yeah, I knew that going back to this one, and it is available on Amazon Prime if you want to go and watch it. Probably should have said that at the start. I knew going back to it, it wasn't going to be great. I think it was probably worse than I remember it, though. And I don't particularly remember it being great. I just remember there being the occasional moment in it, the occasional good idea that I, I kind of remembered fondly. But as a whole movie, the pacing is just horrible. It is far too slow. It's far too long for a movie like this. Who knows where the budget went, but this does not look like a $68 million movie. I think, I mean, this scores, hold on, this scores 61% on Rotten Tomatoes, which isn't bad, but I think a lot of those reviews might have come from around about the time when it came out, and like say, you've had better kind of parodies of superheroes that have come out since, and, and so I don't think anyone reviewing this recently would, would look back on it as favourably. For me, Chris, though, this is not quite the Phantom Zone, just for those individual moments that, that I kind of like, for some of the effects that I kind of like as well. I'm going to send this not to Elm Street, Chris, because that's the other one. I'm going to send it to... <laughs> Hell's Kitchen. <laughs> I was reaching there. What the fuck? Right, so, yeah, just about out. Now, Chris, could I have a, an English uh, or gentleman's bet on where you're going to stick this one? <laughs> no, you're ruining it now, Dave. So, um, yeah, this is awful. I, I genuinely hated every minute of it. I honestly 
think for the comics emotion, it's not necessarily the worst movie we've done across our other podcast, the VHS Strikes Back, but it's certainly the worst in comics emotion day. This is a terrible, terrible fucking piece of shit, and I will never watch this ever again. It's awful, I mean, and it's just so bizarre that I'd never even heard of it. Usually, you're aware of like people's movies, especially with Ben Stiller being quite big at this point. It was his massive breakthrough movie, something about Mary. And the year later, he did this. So bizarre. So, so yeah, it is going with General Zod, Dave. General Zod, non, and what's she called? A woman. Um, oh, my God. What's she called? A woman. Ursa, is it? Ursa, Ursa. Dave, how should I not know that Superman 2 be my favourite movie? But, Your favourite um, ever. Yeah, well, it's in the top <laughs> five, Dave. Favourite superhero movie. And then it's Endgame. But anyway... It's Phantom Zone. It's just truly crap. If you've never seen it and 22 years later, you think, I might watch that for nostalgia, but I never watched it first time around. Please don't. Please don't. Just take Chris's absolute... My my name is nothing. And my, <laughs> my recommendations are usually terrible. But trust me on this, people. <laughs> I am doing you a favour. I have had to endure this for you. Just <laughs> not really, but anyway, <laughs> awful, awful movie. Dave, please say we've got something better next week where we can watch. I would love to be able to say that, Chris. Now, I, actually, I don't think it will be as bad as this one, and I don't think you'll hate it as much, but it is not one that is looked back at fondly, and it is looked back as more of a franchise killer, or it certainly was at the time. This is the third of the Sam Raimi Spider-Man trilogy. It's Spider-Man 3, Chris, with funky dancing and everything. MJ to marry me. A man has to put his wife before himself. Can you do that, Peter? Yeah, I think I can. We have some new information. This is your uncle's actual killer. We lost his trail two days ago. This man killed my uncle, and he's still out there. Everybody needs help sometimes, Peter. Even Spider-Man. Revenge is like a poison. It can take us over. And before you know it, it can turn you into something ugly. <gasps> the suit. Where'd this come from? The power. It feels good. But you lose yourself to it. Whoa, Spidey, love the new outfit. Remember Ben Parker? What does it matter to you anyway? Everything! Do you want to push me away? Why would I want to push you away? I love you. You knew this was coming, Pete. I didn't kill your father! to each other but we have to forgive each other or everything we ever were will mean nothing i need your help i have to stop it this could be the end of spider-man Well, Dave, I'm going to say to you, I went to cinema to watch that and I actually enjoyed it and I've watched it in the last year and didn't mind it at all. So I'm going to be interested now, watching it properly with my reviewer's head on, what I actually think of it. But I don't think it's as bad as what people said and it's definitely better than Mystery Men, Dave. So at least it's something I can enjoy. It's got Spider-Man, it's got Venom in it uh, to a point and it with the suit and stuff. So yeah. I'm looking forward to that, definitely. Right, guys. Sorry, Dave. Go on. You know, sorry, I was just going to say, so on Rotten Tomatoes, you know when it says if you're looking at this movie, you might also like two of the movies there. One of them is Naked Gun 33 and a third, 
which I find very odd. And another one is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2. <laughs> so, what, what an eclectic suggestion there. So, um, yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't think it's like... It's nowhere near the level of any of the naked guns, which we no. need to do on the VHS Strikes Back at some point, don't we, we do. Chris? We need to do the first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles as well, Dave, either on, on here or VHS, because I remember having that on a dodgy VHS years ago when it first came out. <laughs> Great movie. I yeah, love the turtles. Yeah. But no, brilliant. But if you do want to follow us, guys, on social media at Comics in Motion P, if you want to email us, Comics in Motion Podcast at gmail.com. And if you do like anything in the comic book sphere, in the world of comic books, please get onto our feed because it's not just Dave and myself with the TV movie reviews. We have got loads of shows on there, some fantastic people making some great content, all within the realm the realms of the comic book world. So please like and share and uh, tell people about us. That'd be great. Did you hear that fucking lightning then? I thought you'd knocked the Did door. Did it come through? Yeah, I thought you'd <laughs> knocked the door or something. Oh, my no. word. It was fucking a flash. And very, very quickly, the fucking thunder came. And it's like, oh, fucking shit. <laughs> honestly, I honestly thought that that you'd knock... Because I do it all the time, don't you? You knock a table or something and you hope that... It hasn't been picked up, but I yeah, will say yeah. though, Dave, in the sunny Manchester, it's still 27 degrees when we're recording this, and this is in the evening time, so uh, I can't say that very often compared to where you are in the world. It's usually you, and I, which is raining constantly in Manchester, so I don't know what's no, going honestly, on. Honestly, I'm, I'm quite thankful. I've been sweating my bollocks off all day. The only problem is that was a bit chuffing close. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've just heard another one. It's, it, that sounded further away. <laughs> Bloody hell, that properly shipped me up, that did. <laughs> Brilliant. Oh, All right, my mate. word. And Chris, I'm going to finish off and I'm going to quote the Sphinx here, which is, I, I think, one of his formulaic but decent lines. And he says, He who questions training only trains himself at asking questions. Think about that one. I'll see you next time. Bye. Excuse me, I'm Eric Lentra. James Xavier, go fuck yourself. What in the ass? Tell me something, my friend. You ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? What? I always ask that of all my prey. I just like the sound. Let's not stand on ceremony here, Mr. Wayne. Would you care to step outside? Come to me, son of Jerome! Why so serious? What's but a smile on that face? I am Iron Man. I'm Batman. And he's good. Whoa! Whoa.